Hello and welcome to the Global City Missions podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York. And today we're going to be continuing our discussion on ethnography, specifically how to ask good ethnographic questions. In the last episode of the podcast, we talked through four questions related to ethnography. We presumed that we had already identified a cross-cultural community to reach out to and minister to. And so we said, okay, when we want to start learning about the culture of our neighbors, uh, how do we know where to go? How do we know who to talk to? How do we know how to talk? And how do we know what to say? So if you missed our discussion there, I recommend that first go back and listen to episode six, because today I want to build on that discussion about initial ethnographic work. When we're looking to learn deeply about a culture, people watching and research is only going to get us so far. If we really want to understand our diaspora neighbor's culture well enough to begin making strategic ministry decisions, then most of that learning is going to have to happen interpersonally in relationships formed within our city. Uh, it's critical, therefore, that beyond just building our skills at observing and listening, we want to get good at asking ethnographic questions within our everyday interactions. And just as we said with our spiritual statements training back in episode two of the podcast, we need to learn to ask these questions in ways that are natural within the context of everyday conversations. So we need to think about how to begin forming and practicing good ethnographic question asking. For the sake of convenience, I want to start with the five topics exercise that we've discussed a couple times. Uh, one of the things that we want to keep note of as we enter cross-cultural ministry is what the normal everyday topics of conversation are in our neighboring communities. And this can actually be pretty difficult to establish if those conversations are happening in a language we don't speak. But if we continue to show up to our ministry inroads consistently and try to make good small talk with our neighbors, we will eventually begin to develop a sense of what the normal subjects are that make up the majority of social interactions. And once we know what those topics are, we have a foundation from which not only to craft our spiritual statements and start building that evangelistic mosaic, but also to begin asking deeper ethnographic questions. So I want to use my short list. Uh, the most common topics in the neighborhoods where I work tend to be money, family, work, popular media, such as, you know, the newest Netflix show or movies, uh, and also recommendations of places to hang out around the city. So I can pretty much guarantee when I walk out my front door that I'm going to walk in on and end up participating in a conversation about one of these five things just any given day of the week. So how do I start forming questions that help me learn about my community and their culture at a deeper level using these conversations? The first thing that I would recommend is committing to memory and repeating the following phrase as often as possible. I don't know anything about that. Will you tell me about it? No exaggeration. I probably say this phrase upwards of a hundred times a week. Uh, someone at a bar I'm hanging out at will mention a movie that everybody agrees is great. And I say, I, I've never heard about that. Tell me about it. Or maybe someone will mention a festival or a local hangout spot or an important figure in the community. I'm not familiar with that. Tell me about it. See, one of the pressures for many people first entering cross-cultural ministry is to try and find commonality in new relationships. And at times, uh, that may lead people into the temptation to imply that they know more about certain things than they do. Now, usually this is innocently motivated uh, because it may be that things are coming up in small talk that we do know a bit about. So, for example, maybe someone makes a reference to the Quran or to a cultural practice, and this was information that had come up previously in our research. 
Or maybe someone references a fashion trend that we've observed in the community, something like that. Chances are, even if we're familiar with what the reference is to, there may be more to learn about that subject that we need to take the opportunity to ask about. So I want to be quick to highlight, yeah, I may be familiar with that thing that you mentioned, but I'm not sure I do know all that much about it. Can you tell me about it? You know, worst case scenario pricing this, our friend confirms what we already thought we knew. So this is a good practice to start opening up ethnographic conversations in our everyday interactions. Once we're discussing something relevant with our friends, whether we started with the aforementioned phrase or not, uh, we want to work on the skill of asking good, open-ended questions. Uh, for many people beginning this type of relationship or work, the first impulse may be to ask closed questions. And that means the kinds of questions that have a short answer, often just a yes or a no. So examples of closed questions would be things like, are you from the neighborhood? Uh, how long have you lived here? Uh, do you like it here? And while these are not necessarily bad questions, if our goal is to start learning about the surrounding culture, these aren't very good questions to help us uh, get into conversations where we can learn at a deeper level. So open-ended questions are those that invite a fuller response. And when we're starting at the graphic interactions and learning, uh, that's really where we want to begin with a broad question that then we can begin to narrow about specific pieces of information about which we might want more detail or elaboration. So, for example, uh, in a recent conversation with an acquaintance, uh, I was talking about other places we like to hang out. This is one of the five most frequent topics of conversation in my neighborhood. And my new friend was talking about this Dickin restaurant uh, in a neighborhood that I don't actually know very well, but in which I know a number of my friends live in the city. So I wanted to learn more about it from him. Uh, and after telling me where the place he recommended was, our conversation went kind of like this. I said, uh, tell me more about the spot. What kind of food do they have? So my friend starts telling me about the menu at this restaurant. Uh, that's a fairly open-ended question. And so I said after that, uh, what should I order if I go? And so he started making some recommendations of things that he likes there. I said, I don't know a lot about Dominican food. Is this all pretty standard stuff or is this place special in the kind of things they make? So he started to tell me about some of the differences in traditional Dominican foods. Uh, and then I replied, hey, you know, when I go out, I don't like to go to a place that's too crowded uh, or too loud. I like to be able to have a conversation. Um, is this place pretty chill? Like, can I meet people? What's the vibe like there? So he started to tell me about the culture of this particular business. Um, things like how long people hang out, what nights are busy, when I should go. And I responded that I like to go to places where locals hang out so that I can get to know people from the neighborhood. But I also don't like to hang out in places where I'm going to stand out too much and people don't want to make conversation with me. So he started telling me about a couple other spots in the neighborhood that actually might be that way. But he assured me that the place that he was recommending had a good mix of regulars and they were pretty friendly and open people in the neighborhood. So. As I hope you can tell, this is a pretty mundane conversation, but by being attentive to asking open-ended and ethnographic questions, I now have a better sense about a potential inroad in a new neighborhood. I've learned some about food culture in the Dominican diaspora. I've learned a little bit about some of the normal social dynamics that I might expect to navigate as a cultural outsider if I go work in this neighborhood. And I've also learned about some inroads that might not be good places to go. That might be a waste of my time. And so... I'm hardly going to be an expert after this single conversation, but if I continue to have these sorts of interactions with my neighbors and ask good questions, then if I'm going to go work in the DR community, 
uh, in this particular neighborhood, I'm getting a better and better picture of the culture as it exists in my city and how I might start to look at doing ministry in that neighborhood. I want to look at another example from just a recent conversation that happened the last couple of weeks to show what ethnographic questions might look like on a different topic. So I was recently asked by one of my GC, my teammates, what I knew about Dominican voodoo. Uh, the answer then and now is not very much. Um, but I have had a lot of conversations with my Puerto Rican and Cuban friends in the city about Santeria, which is another spiritualist religion from the Caribbean. So I went out into my neighborhood and I want to find out some more information about Dominican voodoo so I can talk to my teammate about what I learned and we can compare notes ethnographically. Uh, but this is actually kind of a touchy and private subject. So I specifically went to some of my established culture informants because I didn't think that this would be a great conversation to try to start with a stranger on the street. So while I was out that week, I ran into a couple of friends of mine that I knew would be safe to talk to. Uh, they'd already talked to me a lot about the practice of voodoo in their own homes, but they were Puerto Rican. So in this instance, I felt free to just ask straight away. I said, hey, guys, uh, I ran into some weird stuff with some Dominican friends of mine this week, and I didn't really know much about it. Uh, what do you guys know about 21 Divisiones? And they began to tell me about it, and their general consensus was articulated by a friend of mine in the group who had grown up heavily immersed in Santeria and had taught me a lot about it. And he said, oh, it's just like all that old Spanish magic. Um, and I said, uh, what do you mean Spanish? Like Mexicans and Ecuadorians do this stuff too? And he was like, no, 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 uh, just, you know, like Caribbean Spanish. All that voodoo stuff is the same. And so I said, same how? Like their, their saints are the same? Like they both use botanicas and stuff? Or what do you mean same? And he's like, yeah, yeah, all that, all that's the same. And so uh, I might have been able to ask some of the same questions that I had when I was trying to learn about Santeria working in the Puerto Rican community. But I was getting the impression that this was a pretty outside knowledge that these guys didn't know the specific information that I, I wanted to learn. Um, so the questions I asked that I could have asked if I wanted to pursue more, I could have said things like, so what do people use this for and where do people learn this? But again, given the seeming lack of insider knowledge, I just let those questions go, and I took the opportunity to transition to an evangelistic conversation instead. Uh, I told my friends, I said, you know, this whole thing reminds me of a, a story I saw in the Bible not too long ago. Um, I was reading the other day and had some difficulty understanding the story, but it seems like you guys know a lot about this. Uh, maybe you can help me out. So then I told them the story about Legion and his exorcism by Jesus. And I said, hey, would you explain to me why... The villagers are so afraid of Jesus after he heals this demon-possessed person that everyone seems so scared of. And their explanation not only gave us a chance to engage the gospel, but it also gave me some greater insight into this particular aspect of their worldview uh, and what I might expect from other neighbors as well. And so this shifting back and forth between ethnographic learning and evangelistic sharing is one of the strengths for our team in taking the mosaic approach to evangelism that we talked about back in episode one. But because I didn't get the specific information that I was looking for, I went to some other Dominican friends of mine who are actually part of one of our house churches in the Bronx. And I said, hey, guys, I got a question for you. Uh, I said I was talking about Dominican voodoo with some of my Puerto Rican friends up in the North Bronx. Uh, they said it's pretty much the same as Santeria. Is that right? Uh, I don't know much about this. Would you tell me about it? Now, these particular friends had grown up with a mix of kind of no religion, and I, one of them was Jehovah's Witness when I met him. So I expected that I might get, again, primarily an outsider's perspective on these practices. 
which I very obviously did, uh, they didn't have a lot of specific knowledge about what I was looking for. So I got some fairly similar responses from them that I did from my friends in the other neighborhood. And suffice to say, I left these two interactions not really learning much about the specific practices that I wanted to learn about. But uh, these two conversations did teach me something because I, I was beginning to understand the way that voodoo is perceived in the larger community. So through these interactions, I'm beginning to build a knowledge about the popular beliefs and perceptions of the cultural insiders and near cultural neighbors who aren't uh, directly involved within the specific niche that I'm looking to learn about. So even though my informants don't possess the exact knowledge that I want and I'm seeking to understand, uh, I am learning something if I pay attention to what I'm getting in terms of feedback. Uh, and this experience actually wasn't so dissimilar from some of the learning we did in the Bengali community in my first years in New York. Um, you know, our Hindu and Muslim neighbors were often telling us about one another's practices and habits and each other's religion. And there are a few things that uh, I did in approaching this conversation that I think could be helpful in facilitating ethnographic learning. The first is that I used information that I already knew to help clarify what I was being told. So I suspected in the first conversation that Spanish magic, quote unquote, um, didn't extend to all Hispanic peoples. So I asked, what do you mean uh, Spanish magic? Like Mexicans and Ecuadorians? Who, who all does this? Um, and then I already knew about the use of botanicas in my neighborhood and their relationship to Santeria. So I was able to ask if uh, they were affiliated with other forms of voodoo as well, just to clarify. And these are helpful practices that uh, if we do it well, we can use previously learned information as a basis for asking questions. And particularly if we can use that information in a way that allows our neighbors to correct an oversimplification or a misunderstanding on our part, it could be a very helpful practice. So that was the first thing. Um, the second thing that I want to point out in the way that I approach this conversation is that I was very careful, as I always am in ethnographic conversations, to avoid asking why questions. I want to avoid as much as possible asking why in ethnographic learning because it often causes a defensiveness and it pushes people to a place of judgment rather than just reporting information. So on this subject, rather than saying, why do they do that? I said, uh, what sort of things do people do that for? And where do people learn about that? So these questions actually solicit the same information that I really want, but they keep the conversation in a very different tone. So I want to summarize the skills we're talking about so far. We're asking open-ended questions. We're trying to work from everyday conversations uh, to ethnographic learning. And we're seeking to verify information by engaging more than one cultural informant about the same topics. Um, I want to finish up today's episode by reviewing some of the things that we want to be asking questions about and learning if we're going to develop the kind of understanding of the culture that leads to effective ministry. And I'm going to list these in the form of questions, but I should point out we're not going to be able to just ask for this information as the questions are stated here. Uh, we'll have to work normal conversations to the point that we can more naturally ask about and inquire about this information. And we want to be very careful not to interrogate our friends and neighbors. So here's a short list of things we want to learn. And you can actually find the same information in the appendix of the book Mosaic, a ministry handbook for a globalizing world. Uh, which I co-wrote with GCMI's director, Jared Looney. Uh, you can find that book on Amazon. But here are a list of some of the central questions we want to start learning about a culture. 
what does social class look like in this community or culture? Um, how has the experience of immigration changed social class? How has immigration changed family structures and household structures? Uh, when it comes to matters of gender and age, who can lead who? What does social discipline look like in this culture and community? Uh, what is communicated through gift giving and financial assistance? Uh, how does humor function? Like who can tease who? Uh, what does conflict look like? What does resolution look like? Uh, who are heroes that originate from this culture? Uh, what are the qualities that a person has to possess to be considered a spiritual person? And what tr transitions take place between the first and second generation of immigration? Oftentimes we're going to be asking and trying to figure out the tensions between uh, parents and children that live within the diaspora. So this is by no means an exhaustive list at all. But as we begin to learn about our neighboring cultures, we should expect a diversity of opinion and answers. And that's why we need to engage a number of cultural informants until we've really gathered enough information and experience to get a sense for what's normal and, and what the majority of people expect and understand. So if we're diligent and we really work to develop more skill in the area of asking good ethnographic questions, we're going to come to a better and better understanding of how to be more incarnational in our ministry and how to more effectively share the gospel. And that's really the point of all this ethnographic learning. So I want to challenge you this week to go out to interact with your neighbors and to ask good, open-ended ethnographic questions to see if you can't start expanding your understanding of the community. Thank you for joining us today in this episode of the Global City Missions podcast. Uh, be sure to comment with any questions or experience from your own ministry and subscribe for more episodes. You can find out more about GCMI on our website, www.globalcitymission.org, or by visiting our Facebook and Twitter.